You are listening to Haftarah, the Shear series where we explore the connections between the Parsha Shavua and its corresponding Haftarah. And here at the database with Rabbi Shua Eisenberg, this week's Parsha is the double Parsha of Nitzavim Vayelech, and you are catching us at the completion and culmination of the series of the Shiva Denechamasa, the seven Haftaras of consolation in between Tishabav and the Yomim Narayim. And whenever it is that Parsha's Nitzavim Vayelech occur together and coincide as a double Parsha, we actually read the Haftarah for Parsha's Nitzavim unlike what we find by most double parshios, where we read the Haftarah that corresponds to the second of the two parshios, as it happens in years when Nitzavim Vayelech are read separately, then Shabbos Shuvah always coincides with Parshas Vayelech, and then the Haftarah of Shabbos Shuvah is read. This year, in any year when we find Nitzavim Vayelech as a double parsha, then Shabbos Shuvah coincides with Parshas Hazinu. And Parshas Hazinu, typically will have either its own Haftarah or, of course, it'll be Shabbos Shuva, which means that for the purposes of Haftarah, and really for the purposes of any year, Parshas Vayelach doesn't exactly have its own Haftarah because the Haftarah for Vayelach is either the same Haftarah for Parshas Nitzavim, the seventh of the Shiva Denechamasa, or it's the Haftarah of Shabbos Shuva. Whereas by Parshas Hazinu, it's either the, the Haftarah for Parshas Hazinu or it's the Haftarah of Shabbos Shuva. What that means is that, again, here at Half Torah, we are doing, for this week, the seventh Half Torah of the Shavu Denechamasa, which is the Half Torah that we will indeed be reading this Shabbos, Bezras Hashem. This is the Half Torah of Parshas Nitzavim, and for our purposes, it is also the Half Torah for Nitzavim Vayelach. And next week, Bezras Hashem, we will be doing two Half Torah Shiram, one for the Half Torah for Parshas Hazinu, the regular Half Torah, in years, for example, where... Shabbos Shuvah does not coincide with Hazinu, and of course we are going to be dedicating and devoting a shear to the Haftarah for Shabbos Shuvah as well. So there will be two Haftarahs next week, and this week we are doing the one that we are doing right now, the Haftarah for Parshas Nitzavim. And so with that introduction, Baruch Hashem, at last we have indeed reached the seventh and final Haftarah of these Shiva Dinechamasa, which comes to us from Sefer Yishayahu, Perek Samach Aleph, Pasuk Yud, 6110, going all the way to Perak Samach Gimel, Pasuk Tes, 639. As we dedicate this year, Now, we've used the Haftaras in this series to get to the root of what Nechama is, to try to understand not only what it is, but also what it is not. And we've learned that Nechama, beyond comfort or consolation, means reconsideration, a change in attitude, despite the existence in a state of Gaulus, it means finding comfort from within. And we've explained how through this comfort, we enable ourselves to move forward in life despite life's challenges. We've taken this mentality a step further in the most recent Haftarah, where we saw that even past Nechama, there is a higher level to strive for, how we can tap into this fundamental light source of goodness and happiness, and not merely be consoled enough to move forward, but to find a means for celebration, even within Galus, a means which also emerges from within. This we saw in the Haftarah last week for Parshas Kisavo, the sixth Haftarah of the Shevdin Echamasa. So the question now is, what do we need to know for this grand finale? What is the final bullet point, if you will, for the Shevdin Echamasa? So from a broader glance, the Haftarah seems to send a typical message of encouragement, like we'd expect from any lyrical Haftarah. Similarly to the previous one, there is a sense of celebration in a salvation and a redemption to come. We're familiar with that kind of read. 
there's a positive feeling and all, but we would expect that at the end of the series, the Navi would not only leave us with a feel-good message, but to maybe go out with some kind of bang. And as we search for that spectacular culmination, is there perhaps an underlying and unifying theme in this Haftar's message of encouragement that we should be walking away with? So the text of the Haftar itself opens as the Navi speaks with the voice of of Israel, of Klai Israel. Sos asis Hashem tagel nafshi be'lokai. I will rejoice in Hashem and my soul will exult in my God, which is obviously the basis for the fifth bracha of the Sheva brachos, asos tasis v'sagel ha'akara. Be surely joyful and the barren one shall be glad. And why these words bear any relevance perhaps to a wedding celebration is evident in the rest of the verse, as the Navi continues, Kihil Bishani, Big Day Yesha, Me'il Tzdaka, Yatani Kechasan, Yichayim Pe'er, Ve'chakala Tade Cheleha, which means, For he has dressed me in garments of salvation, a robe of righteousness. He has cloaked me like a groom who is prepared priestly, or like a priest, with splendor, and like a bride who bedecks herself in jewelry. So it's a beautiful message, and although the goal during these Haftaris is not necessarily to bring out any messages from the Parsha per se. There is a very nice parallel in Parsha's Nitzavim, actually. As we find that corresponding to this message, where, again, Kla Yisrael and Eretz Yisrael are saying that they will surely rejoice with Hashem, we find in Parsha's Nitzavim, in Perak um, Lamed Pasuk Tess, when we are engaging in our great teshuva and Hashem is bringing us back, the Pasuk says, that Hashem will make abundant for good and all the work of your hands and the fruit of your womb and so on and so forth. So it's ki yashuv Hashem, and when, um, when Hashem will once again return you, to rejoice over you, just as he has rejoiced over your forefathers. So we see the concept of Hashem rejoicing over us. We're rejoicing with Hashem. It's very, very beautiful. And all of this would not be the only references to the celebration of Achasen and Kala in this Haftarah. The Haftarah continues into the next parak, at which point the Navi declares in Hashem's name, Lamansion Lo for the sake of Tzion, for the sake of Zion, I will not be silent. And in this passage, when the Navi elaborates on how the nations and kings will take note of Zion's newfound honor, it tells us that Israel would be crowned with an ateras teferes, a splendorous tiara, and a tznif malucha, a headdress, or better yet, a veil of kingship. And if we, are, if we weren't certain, the Navi assures us that we will not be desolate, but that Israel's children would reside in her like a bachur, like a young man or a bachur, with a basula, with a virgin maiden. And when exactly does a bachur reside with a basula, if not on the day of their wedding? And indeed, the Navi itself fleshes out this point as it continues to say, And as a groom rejoices over his wife, as over his bride, your God will rejoice over you. Obviously not a coincidence, the Navi has latched onto the wedding theme, imagery of a young bride and groom. Now, if we think about it, the wedding celebration represents the complete opposite extreme of the state of mourning, which we have been looking for comfort from in the first place. And that is why, on the one hand, we have a week of Shiva, 
seven days of mourning following the death of a loved one where the goal is nichum avelim, consolation for the mourners. And perhaps, as we've been, as we've been saying this whole time, that these um, correspond as well to the Shiva Dinechamasa, or perhaps the Shiva Dinechamasa, our seven haftaras, our seven weeks of consolation, correspond to those, we, to those days of Shiva, the seven of Shiva, of course. And yet on the other hand, there is a week of Sheva Brachos following the wedding, where the goal is to build on the Simchas Chas and Vakala. Right? Seven days of Yemei Mishta, days of, of celebration, or days, of, days of feasting and drinking. So this is the rejoicing of the groom and the bride. So, of course, one is comfort despite separation from a loved one. That's Shiva. And the other is rejoicing over the union between loved ones. Now, this second extreme is the extreme which the Navi is promising. And this is significant because the Haftarah now is not merely telling us about how to achieve Nechama, how to deal with separation, but it is now a complete turnaround of the mourning, a reuniting, a reunion with Hashem as joyous as the Chassan and Kala's first night of marriage. This theme of Simchas Chassan Vakala would appear to be sufficient, uh, and it would, it would be a beautiful end to the series. It's not only comforting, but it is gladdening, it is encouraging. It is as we could want it, um, as, as positive as we could expect and hope. However, the Haftarah oddly continues its route into some really unexpected and perhaps shocking territory. It starts off seemingly pretty innocent as the Navi proceeds to describe how Hashem assigns Shomrim, guardians, for the walls of Yerushalayim, which does sound reassuring. And then the Navi assures us that Hashem will not give our grain and wines away to foreign nations. They're in Perak Samach Beis. Again, a positive message, which we should surely hope would be the case. So how do these proposals make us feel? We said that they're positive promises, right? But despite the objective positivity of this arrangement, if you will, for some reason they do seem kind of eerie. Think about it again. Because once Hashem has joined us in marriage, once again, we certainly hope for there to be a happy ever after. right? We certainly would hope that we'll be forever guarded and well fed. But again, these are things we would have expected without a Navi needing to promise such things, at least after he has essentially told us that Hashem would marry us again, the fact that the Navi needs to tell us that our gates will be guarded and that our food won't be given away to someone else as if the alternative is an available option does seem a little bit unnerving, no? Why does the Navi need to guarantee these things? What is the Navi hinting to? What, what, what happened to the seemingly unconditional happy ever after for which we were hoping? It could be that indeed the Navi does not want us to consider the alternative for an instant because, let's be honest, it will not have been our first marriage to Hashem. In other words, sorry, meaning the Navi wants us to actually consider it. Because right, after all, we've married Hashem and entered a covenant with Him before. And while we're considering reality for a second, the end-all and be-all of life certainly is not marriage, right? the wedding day, for, per se. As happy as the celebration often appears, and maybe as it may even be, there are pitfalls and setbacks in every relationship. 
right? There is a constant need for guarding in a relationship. Our life continues way on after the initial day of marriage, and without proper guarding, chas v'shalom, things can always get messed up. Our quote-unquote sustenance can be given into the hands of other nations, and it would be all our own faults if we weren't careful. Or why did we end up in Galus in the first place if not for our own violation of our marriage with Hashem? Right, there had been a nice wedding followed by a lot of darkness. And now the Navi wants us to know that there will be a wedding again. And the question we have to consider immediately after things get better again is will they stay that way? Will the relationship be properly guarded? Will it be properly sustained? Or will the sustenance go somewhere else? And it may be that for this reason, the Haftarah does not stop there, but it continues its message with a somewhat haunting imagery. Says the Pasuk, Samach Gimel, Pasuk Aleph. Who is coming from Edom of sullied garments from Batsra? There is someone emerging from the lands of Edom, Israel's greatest oppressor, and that someone is wearing dirty clothes. Who is it? asks the Navi, through Israel's perhaps nervous voice. And the Navi answers, Zehadur This is the one who is majestic in his clothes, girded with, with abundant strength. It is, of course, Hashem. But the once majestic clothes are not just dirty. The Navi continues in Pasuk Beis of Parak Sam We will then ask, Madua Adom Lavushacha Vigadecha Kidoresh Bagas. Why are your clothes red? I'm playing off of Edom. Why are your clothes all red? And your garments like that of one who treaded in a wine press? Right, the clothes are red, and the source of the redness is obviously not wine. Right, Hashem plays along and responds in Pasagimel, Indeed, I have trod in a wine press myself, and from the nations not a man was with me. I trod them with my anger, and in my wrath their vitality spurted onto my clothes. In other words, their life, their life blood, and all of my garments I have soiled. In simpler words, Hashem's clothes, as it were, are blood-soaked. He has returned from war by himself, a war that he had apparently waged and fought on our behalf. What is the message of this imagery? That, apparently, indeed, things don't just end after the wedding. Hashem's love for us does not end after the wedding night, and it never did before. After one wedding, things got dark, and wars had to be had. They had to be fought, they had to be waged. But at the end of it all, Hashem is there. And our happy ever after is not the picture-perfect sight of a handsome, showered groom in a tux. Hashem returns to us as a warrior in blood-soaked clothes, having fought a battle for us, which we hardly knew was going on. At the wedding is nice, but it's not reality. 
It's the roars after the wedding that demonstrates the truest nature of Hashem's love for us, and perhaps the love that we could have in our own relationships, and certainly our love for Hashem. Even when things get dark, whether we know it or not, Hashem, our groom, our husband, is always fighting the battles. And most of the time, he's doing it by himself, trying to keep our relationship with him afloat. And the question we have to consider, this is true for our own relationships and certainly no less in our relationship with Hashem, is if we are doing our part, what part of this relationship are we ourselves contributing to? Perhaps in our own marriages or in our own familial relationships with our parents, with our children, with our siblings. To what are we contributing in the relationship? And so, of course, in our relationship with Hashem, which point of the relationship, to which point are we contributing? Are we fighting any battles on His behalf? And lest we think for a second that really Hashem had left us high and dry during the dark times of our Gullus, the Navi assures us in the final Pasuk of this Haftarah and the final Pasuk of this series, Perak Samach Gimel Pasuk Tes, V'chol Sam Lo In all of their troubles, He was troubled. Hashem never wanted us to be in trouble. That was our own doing. And at the very end of everything, we will see Hashem the Shechintra of Begalusa, the Shechina itself in Galus, as it were, covered in the blood of war which he fought for the sake of our relationship to get us out of that trouble. In the end, there will be a happy ever after, don't worry. That was never a real question. We have plenty to be comforted by and certainly plenty worth celebrating. But at the end of the Sheva Denechamasa, when apparently another wedding has taken place, we have to consider what we will be giving back to that relationship. We have to consider what of the war we're prepared to commit to fighting in for the sake of our relationship with Hashem. As we are well into Chodesh Elul, Ani Dodi Vedodi Li, Hashem is to us, are we actually to our beloved? Are we to Hashem? How much are we to Hashem? Every bump in the road of this relationship's past, we will realize that Hashem suffered in it with us. And for our sake, he will not be silent. He will continue to fight our battles, whether we see it or not. Yes, be comforted, and yes, be celebratory. But can't we do more? Can we not do more? Can we not get up from this shiva with an even higher goal of being there for not just our husband, but apparently our hero, our savior, our warrior? The shiva in Hamasa once again culminates with the very beginning of the Amun Narayim. And I don't think that's by accident. In their essence, the Amun Arayim are actually the preparation for our remarriage between us and HaKadosh Baruch Hu, which takes place on Yom Kippur, when we receive the second Luchos, the Luchos Shnios. And after Yom Kippur, we will enter perhaps a new arena of Sheva Brachos, the seven days of Sukkot, the seven Hakafos. The Amun Arayim themselves, they are an awe-inspiring, a frightening time, but also a very opportunistic and exciting time. It's an inspiring time. We have to realize that in the very end, there will be an unconditional happy ever after. That, again, is not the question for now. For us at this time, the question that faces us as we stand at the threshold of the chuppah, 
or the threshold of the chuppah where we are getting ready for kapara, like a chasan davening with a vidui in his mincha shmona esrei, are we prepared for a lifetime of commitment? Are we ready for the day after the wedding? In Bez Hashem, we will. We'll be zocha to not only be comforted and experience the joy of a remarriage to Hashem, but to be prepared for a lifetime of commitment to our marriage with Hashem every day after and earn that surest happy ever after, our Geulah in the times of Mashiach, have an absolutely wonderful rest of your week, a wonderful Shabbos, of course, an uplifting and awe-inspiring Yom and Arayim, and Ashana Tova, Iksiva Tova, and as always, if you enjoyed this year and others like it on the podcast and want to partner up with us with the sponsorship, or if you have questions, comments, concerns, recommendations, or you want to join the database podcast WhatsApp group where you'll find links to every uploaded shear and, sh- and links to shearum that I repost due to their relevance, then all you have to do is reach out to me at thedatabase.gmail.com. That's the data then base, B-E-I-S at gmail.com. Until next time, thank you for joining us here at The Database.